0: This episode is sponsored by Visual Media. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V Z U A L M E D I A underscore to get started. What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. What's going on everyone? It's another episode of Brazilians in Action with Erin Brown and today our very special guest is Kalina Powell. Kalina, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, honestly.
0: Love it, love it, love it. Uh, So uh, you sent me your bio last night. I read over it. Love it. I'm not going to butcher it. I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, definitely. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Honestly, I'm too many hats, to be honest with you. Like, I'm an author. I'm an international speaker. I'm a life coach and a content creator. And I'm an advocate on top of that. So you're like, what? but here's a very interesting thing about me is I'm actually deaf. I actually became deaf at the age of four due to an ear infection. And so really, my life was like a roller coaster learning about myself. And also, to really how to communicate with someone who is hearing, which is something that mind-blowing for a lot of people to find out about me. Like, Nina, how do you do that? Like, how you build that confidence to be able to get yourself out there like everybody else? And so, yeah, so that's really about me. Yes, I know. It's a lot. But,
0: yeah. So, so let's start at the very beginning. So you had an ear infection when you were four years old, and it caused you to go deaf. Yes. So do you do you remember hearing before that?
1: Yeah, of course. I was like yeah. a normal kid, you know, at daycare. And and that's actually what happened with the daycare. was actually the daycare fault? They didn't follow the instruction for the job. And that's how I actually became
0: deaf. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How dare them? Now, granted, granted, I feel like sometimes things happen for a reason because now you're able to navigate a whole new life. Right. Um, but that's, that's wild. That's wild. So, uh, we're navigating what it's like to relearn a, a whole new language. Um, what is it? What was that like? Did you, did you learn sign? No,
1: No. No. not until I went to the duck school. And that was because my speech was delayed when I got the hearing aid, so I was really busy with a speech therapist mm-hmm. to pick up my speech again, and then I would attend to the deaf school to learn ASL for a little bit, and then I went to a hand school full time, and I did not, I was not able to learn ASL in the hand school because they do not offer that in the hand school.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So you had to. <clears throat> to basically um, figure out how to live life now. How did you do that? Like, start from, tell us. What was it like?
1: Um, It was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually put in two different schools, which helped me even more to learn that I am different. Mm-hmm. And for me to understand and realize that I'm going to have to learn how to communicate by myself, without teachers, my mom, my my aunt and my grandma around me. And so honestly, thankfully my family put me into a lot of extracurricular activities in terms of basketball, soccer, outside of school. So I can actually learn how to interact with kids and learn how to be independent. Mm -hmm. And that was something my family really wanted me to learn so much is be independent without having to rely on ASL because my family knows that by the time I get older, no one's going to learn ASL. And so my family was really looking out for me for my future. And um, so honestly, over time, I did develop a little bit of confidence when I was in the activities. However, I did have a lot of, you know, step back and I had to, you know, pull myself together really get myself out there. And I would say when I got older, I was able to meet friends that would support me and that was super important for me to find the right support system, especially in school. I know a lot of people are not able to find friends that they can be comfortable with and a friend that's willing to accommodate you, right? And, you know, accommodation is a big thing with someone who have a disability.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, having a support system <clears throat> in life is very, very important. But when you find yourself um, having to navigate a, an entirely new experience, to be able to have that support system and then they come in and they they're there to encourage you and they hold you up and they lift you up and hold you accountable and all that good stuff that has to to make a world of difference. Um uh, what? Ah, so you played sports, right? So yeah. so what was your favorite sport? Soccer 100%. Soccer soccer. What is it about soccer? My sister-in-laws play soccer and, <laughs> and they're like all about soccer. Soccer and softball, but soccer is like their thing and it's so cool to um to watch them play. So what was it about soccer that really drew, drew you in?
1: I would say it was a less chaotic in terms of having to always keep looking, listening so much. Mm-hmm. And that was how the deaf person is so hard to look everywhere and i i have to in order for me to communicate i have to look at you i have to so for soccer it was more of a small team on the field so my team and i can literally communicate super fast and they're like and they're freaking out because i'm a forward i'm always a forward so they always be prepared for me. They're like, hey, Kalina, you're fast. You need to go. Just go. We can't keep up. Just go. And I said, okay. And I will look back. And then it's very easy for them to do sign quickly, quickly for me. they will be like, go. Or they will be like, stop. Or, you know, it's very easy to communicate, I would say, for me, for soccer. Because you can just turn around. I can just simply turn around and be like, go. Yes. No. What do you want me to do? Pass. Pass. You know, it's very quick. Um, Compared to other sports, like, it's very chaotic. Like, you have to look, like, whistle, and this and that, you know? And the game is very simple for me to follow, especially as a deaf person on the field. It's really, really easy for me to just, just, like, okay, yeah, soccer, kick, 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 that's it. Okay, that's it. I don't have to do anything more.
0: Yeah. Okay. I love that. That's, um, perspe- <clears throat> perspective is a, is a huge thing. And, um, I... Um as as I think of like the other sports, I know you said you play basketball as well. thinking about basketball, there you like you say, you do have the whistle and and there's a lot more that you have to pay attention to, opposed to soccer where you're you're running, you're having fun, and the the signals uh, on what you need to do, they're able to let you know like that in that quickness. So were you good?
1: Yeah, I was good. I was good. You know, I remember I made my team go in first place, second place, third place. I was crazy. I was supposed to go on the international soccer women thing, but then it was... I don't know what happened. I just didn't... I stopped liking it. And, you know, I think I was too good for that back then when I was young. I was young. (laughs) I was like, no, mom, let me do something else. I'm too good for the sport. I was that big flashy girl who, you know? Yeah. And actually, I I got tired, you know, running all the time. It was
0: it, it, it wears you out a little bit, right?
1: Uh, exactly. It really does. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm tired.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so let's get into, um, so you're four now you're in, I'm guessing high school with like soccer and all that stuff. Can you tell me about a time where the things got difficult for you? And and what it was like to get through that difficult time.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um the difficult time is being having accommodation consistent.
0: Mm. That's
1: difficult. Yeah. Time. Um the reason why I said that is yes, people accommodate me, but they're not consistent. So I'm like, hey guy, don't forget. Hey guy, don't forget. Like it's like why well, I might have to repeat myself if I've already mentioned and told you that I need support. And so that was something that I had to really pull myself together and be like, we ha- I have to keep going and consistently be telling people because we're not educated about the disability community and accommodation. Uh-huh. And if you think about it, where do we learn our knowledge from? School. Number were four? They never taught us. That stuff. They never really taught us the different about our bodies in terms of disability. They never taught us that. So I feel like if we went went back to school, if, they, if we were to teach students that, I'm pretty sure everybody would have been consistent to accommodate anybody with disability. And so that was something that I had to really pull myself together and say, you know what, i mean the person. You're gonna have to be annoying. At the end of the day, you need to accommodate because at the end of the day if something happened to you and you don't speak up how would they supposed to know and mm-hmm. that was something I had to learn the hard way until I got into university and that was something I was like okay you know why I have to do this and I have to do what I gotta do to really get myself out there and that was something that I didn't like because I felt like I was bugging people to accommodate yeah. you know so I didn't like bugging people I just you know, I just, and also at the same time, too, sometimes I just feel like, hey, you know, right, well, screw this. I just want to be normal. I, you know, and there's times, times where I just, like, can I just be normal? Like, can I just be like everybody else? But there's times where I, I have to be real with myself. and Instead, it is what it is. Suck it up. And you need to ask for help.
0: Yeah, yeah. I- hey, hey, hey. Did you know I wrote a book? It's called The Value Method. Five steps to unlocking your greatest potential. And in it, I share just that. Five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets and small assignments at the end of each chapter. You're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. I know, um... When I tore my ACL, this was back in like 2012, um, to maybe 2013, something. It was a long time ago. I tore my ACL and I've never been one to really ask for help. But I had a big old cast. I had just had surgery and it was to a point where I was so I had to be humbled enough to ask someone to help me go to the bathroom. So I absolutely understand what it was like to have to ask someone that, you know, and you feel like you're being a pain, you feel like you're being a bother, uh, but at the end of the day, you, you need something and the people around you will show up for you, but you just have to consistently let them know like, hey, like I need, I need you, I need help.
1: The doctor, the doctor, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, oh my gosh. It was terrible. I needed help up and down the stairs in and out of the house. And it was just, I kind of felt, I felt bad. I felt, I felt, I felt shameful. Right. right. I felt a, a, a level of shame and it's such a, a paradox because where does that shame come from? where where did we go wrong in society where it was shameful to ask for help yeah you know so if yeah oh my gosh so you're you get your accommodations kind of on a semi-consistent basis without you like like I need help I need help I need help um what what school did you go to? What um, what university?
1: Okay, so I'm located in Canada, Toronto, you guys. So I'm not in the States.
0: Gotcha. Okay, <laughs> in
1: Canada. All oh, right, Toronto. Yeah, I'm in Toronto. <laughs> I actually went to York University.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And what was that experience like?
1: Okay, you guys. Are you guys ready for some tea? Because I got something really oh, good. Oh, tea. <laughs> <laughs> So honestly, so my first year was not good, like you guys can be really surprised. So I have very few good professor, really accommodating. I was good to go. I have a a disability counselor, who does my accommodation letter who kind of walks me through university, let me know what uh, the accommodation around the campus. And so this one professor I have, I don't know why, but, like, my guy. um, So, I actually, the first day, I showed him my commendation. The very first day. That's what my disability counselor said. It's very important that you tell them now the very first day so that they're aware. So, that way, there's no surprises. I let my professor know that I'm deaf. And um, I noticed on the course outline that the test is a listening test. So, I asked him, is it possible if I can have a written test? Instead of listening. He tells me. Oh you can do it. You can do the first test. So. I was just like. Are you not reading what I just. What I said on the paper. And I'm showing you. My hearing aid to show you that. I'm hard of hearing. I can't always hear very well. Anyway. So. Middle of the class now. I'm passing. I only did probably one big test. And I got a 50%. So I'm just like, I could have done better, but you don't want to listen to me. And so towards the end of the course, that's when he noticed that my grade dropped. So I was like, sir, I told you to have accommodation and you are not accommodating me. And so the final exam was also a listening test. So final exam was like 50% of our grades. So I just said, I'm not doing this exam, sir. I mentioned to you so many times. And he was very disrespectful. I had to contact my disability counselor to reach out to him to see what we can do. He completely ignored her email. Completely ignored her email. I failed the course. So I ended up, yeah, I know. He failed. And so what happened was I literally took it to the next level. I was not playing. I said, you know what, screw you. I'm reporting you. And my counselor had proof of the email, everything. Because she's like, yeah, like, are you crazy? And we reported to the head of his department. They were shocked. They were like, what? And so, like, you know what? Your grade will be removed. So, yay, good news, but at the same time, it's bad. It's right? like, why would you allow a student who need accommodation to suffer going through all this headache where you could have just Accommodate the students properly, okay. you know, and it's especially, too, I had other four classes that I had to focus on, but you're giving me a headache, and I was like, what the heck? And, yeah, that was my first year experience in university, honestly. I had other great experience. I had amazing um, note-takers, so uh, for those who have a disability, we are providing with note-takers or any support um, support person. And so I actually had a note-taker for mine. She was amazing. Uh, she followed me all for my classes. She was amazing, terrific. And um, I was getting a lot of support and help from um, my first year. Mm-hmm. But second and third year got a little bit tricky Could it gets harder Had you go on to university. Yeah. So it gets really tricky. I'm like, oh my God, I need help. Um, However, I had to really navigate and learn how to, again, accommodate for myself, but I got easier had the year went on. I had to learn how to be consistent, obviously. Again, consistent, which we all hate that word, but too bad. That is the word, being consistent, in university. But overall, oh, I really did have a really good university experience. Um, And also, too, my last year of university, I actually met a deaf professor, which is mind-blowing um he is amazing i don't know how to tell you guys like he was amazing he was my math teacher i hate math so it was even better for me and um yeah him and i connected really well we spoke a lot about career-wise because i was actually you know my last year didn't know what to do i'm like what the heck am i supposed to do after psychology because i have a psychology background so there's so many bridges that you can do with that right
0: so so what did you end up doing so
1: oh gosh. So I ended up doing was, I ended up becoming um a shelter homeworker for young girls who are pregnant. It was amazing. Oh, I love
0: it. Amazing. Work. That that work in itself is so fulfilling.
1: Exactly, exactly. It was a very interesting experience to be honest because I am I'm not always surrounded by pregnant women. So all my friends remember we're all young. So but we never no one in my family, well, except for one friend of us who got pregnant at 16, but um, none of us really got pregnant at a young age. So it was very cool to see how young girls transition into a young mom. So really kind of guide them, teach them how to be a mom. So that was a really fun experience. I love it. I love them. Um, And, and then from there, I actually became a life coach. I decided started to open my own business, becoming a life coach for people, for young adults um who also are hard of hearing who are deaf and also other disabilities as well not just the deaf community and and then I end up writing a book about me being deaf uh but yeah we'll get to that after, but I don't want to take up too much time
0: yeah no you're fine you're no we have more than enough time I'm just I'm taking in everything that you've been able to do um and it's it's a lot you and you're still so young it's a it's 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 a testament to to know that you have two options. You can give up or you can keep going. You yeah.
1: Know? I mean, there are times where, like, I wanted to give up, especially after university, because that's when you're trying to apply for a job. You can't yeah. get in because you don't have an experience. And, you know, and also, too, it's so difficult with the interview. That mm-hmm. was difficult for me. Yeah. And I also, too, because they're going to ask you. Are you identify as a disability person, so a lot of people don't feel comfortable disclosing that, and I am one of those people. I do not feel comfortable because I feel like that would be the step back of getting a job for me personally. But mm-hmm. you know, I know some, I know a lot of people who don't feel comfortable, some people do feel comfortable, yeah, but me personally, I just don't.
0: Gotcha. So you, so you, um, when you fill out your applications, you don't put that you're, that you have a disability.
1: Yeah. Not until after. Because I feel
0: like. Yeah.
1: Not until after. It's like, why are you asking that question right at that moment? You know? Yeah. People take it personal. I know a lot of people take that question very personal. They're like, why are you asking me that?
0: There's a lot of questions in the, the, the job application process. That aren't necessary, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when exactly. I show up, you'll see that I'm black. Like, why does that matter? <laughs> why does that matter? Right? <laughs> when I show up for an interview, oh. you know, it's just a lot of that stuff is is dated, and I definitely think that we need to revamp, um revisit, and revamp what that process looks like.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I feel like they need to change the question a lot. Sorry.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about life coaching. Oh, what? love it,
1: love it. Love so it.
0: you you decided that you know what, I figured out how to navigate this, um, this journey. Now I I'm to I'm at a point where I want to help other people navigate their journeys. Um, start there. What was that like? It
1: would be interesting being entrepreneur and also being a tough person just because everybody I look around is hearing. So I'm like, am I the only one who's a deaf life coach here? And uh, even when I asked for mentors and coaches, because um, I did hire probably, I would say, two or three coaches and mentors mm-hmm. really get me into this industry. And um, it was very interesting how, how to be an own business, your own boss, your own CEO. You do what you want to do ideas and you know learning about different ways to get clients is very interesting especially how big social media has grown and i love coaching i remember i got my first clients to my friends my friends were actually my first clients, and they're you know they're very supportive i love them and they go, want to coach me kalina i want to you know i'm like okay <laughs> um they were amazing i realized so much about being a coach versus a therapist, a psychologist. It's two very different things and that
0: was something I learned a lot. Hey, hey, hey. If you're enjoying this content, do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience.
1: That has a life coach, you can bring in more value into your client than a therapist. I feel like they have a book to follow. If you're a coach, you're just trying to be their A1, you're trying to be the guiding counselor, you're trying to be their everything. And I feel like I love being so involved in my clients versus therapist. You're not, not so much, right? Uh-huh. Because you're just focusing on the dinos or medication and this yeah. and that, like you're not focusing on the client has a whole. And that was something I love learning about clients in general, like talking to clients. I love learning about them. And I want them to feel heard. And I feel like a lot of time when people go to therapists, they they there's certain things that's not fully a cost for them. And mm-hmm. it's like they only cover a few things but then when they come back, they don't remember. But as a coach, they remember because they see your vibe, your energy, and they're like, Oh my God, oh yeah, Kamina told me this. Yeah, I think, like, yeah yeah. You know, there's so many ways you can go around about, especially as a life coach, and there's so much more opportunities and that's what I like about it.
0: There is a lot, a lot of opportunity in life coaching. Um, again, another fulfilling job. Being being a deaf entrepreneur, do you think that your deafness has helped you um in your business?
1: Oh yeah, it definitely helped me a lot because everybody is different, and I feel like when people see me has a life post, as a deaf life post, they get so excited, because they know that I'm going to bring in so much value, and because I've been through something so much worse than had they been through, so they'd be like, Kalina can relate, because she went through something worse than I ever had gone through, yeah. and I also I I come up with so many ways and ideas to communicate, and again, communication was huge issue for me when I was growing up so that was something a lot of clients loved about me is that I know how to communicate in multiple ways it's not even fine people like you communicate this way okay cool so um but yeah that's what made me super different from a lot of coaches and a lot of clients like you're very different like you've been through so much and you want to pass it on to other people
0: I love that I love it your clients your clients sound like they really really Resonate with you, and you help them uh, really, really figure out what where it is they want to go.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. What What does the future hold for Kalina?
1: That's a good question. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I would say. I would say the future hope for me is definitely continue writing books. Um, My next book right now is Children's Book. I'm writing a children's book, too. And I, I also want to continue writing books, not just my personal story, but also keep my awareness about the deaf community and books. That's one. Two, and also to let let's take my company global, help people as much I can around the globe, not just my side of the country not kind of the United States but I also want to help others who are in need
0: mm-hmm. and
1: also I also want to create more job opportunity within my company for people who are deaf who are struggling to look for a job um and also really trying to see if I can change the Hollywood industry reputation for the disability community I'm hoping maybe I'll get into Hollywood scene I don't know but We'll see when the time comes, but definitely get myself out there in the Hollywood industry and just really break that cycle and just really bring in more doors for people who have a disability to act and, you know, they need more reputation on TV screens,
0: 100%. Absolutely. Um, The only show that I can think of just off the top of my head is Switch That Birth. Oh, my favorite show. <laughs> so I watched that show Oh, man, from beginning to end. Like, I stopped for a little while, then I picked it back up. And it's, I'm not going to lie, it's a really good show. Um, when it comes to some of the situations that they faced, uh, how relevant, how true to life was that, in your opinion?
1: It was very relatable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Stephanie. and um it really, honestly... I can relate because she was like me, we were deaf, we can speak verbally, mm-hmm. and the whole—I would say her life story. Some of them I couldn't relate, some of them I couldn't because she was a up so that part was not relatable. Um, but I can definitely relate to her parents, her parents, hundred percent. Cause I'm the only deaf person in my family. My family don't even know what they were doing. They were like, "Okay, how do we communicate with Kalina? Like, what?" <laughs> So, I can totally relate with that, like, 100%, um, but honestly, in terms of high school experience, can relate to some of them, not everything, and um, in terms of the bullying, right? The so bullying was something that I can totally relate because I was bullied a lot, not in high school, um, but a lot in middle school, elementary school, mm-hmm. and kids would speak, would pick on me because of my speech, and my speech was different at the time. Um, so I can definitely relate to a lot of the story, and I just wish that there was more show to movie like that more.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree, one hundred and ten percent. I think there needs to be more, um, in general, of uh, like movies and shows that shows uh, special needs with just just being human. You know, like. There is uh, such a, I feel like sometimes there's still a little taboo when it comes to um, being deaf or or hard of hearing or blind or any other, you know, I won't say problem or issue, but anything that would would require like an accommodation, you know, it's still so like nobody wants to talk about it. And I think the more the more we talk about it, the more we learn about it. Like you said, back back in the day, we didn't get taught about any of that. So accommodations, whereas it sounds like, yeah, it's eh, it's important, but it's not that important because me as a a not deaf person, i don't I don't understand it. So it doesn't have anything to do with me. when, in fact, it does right it does because we are we are not meant to navigate this world alone and to be able to step in someone else's shoes to be able to look through their their lenses to be able to understand what life has been like for them that takes us we have to take a step back if we don't take a step back to reflect, it does a disservice for everyone else involved. I will never fully understand. Um, I'll never fully get it. But also, I think we have to try, right? We have to put forth the effort. And it's yeah. the onus doesn't fall on either party, it should be a collective effort, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. 100% agree on that.
0: 100%. Yeah. So... Speaking of your family, like what was <laughs> what was that like, and not to what was their perspective of growing of having to you know raise a deaf child?
1: Um, I don't think a good question. I don't think, I don't even know. I feel like they were t- they tried really hard to make me feel normal mm-hmm. because no child want to feel
0: different
1: yeah. from the kids, and that was something i see with a lot of my family when i was growing up they never compare me to another kid they never done that they always make sure that i'm always included
0: mm.
1: you know and we all always have an open discussion about communication with me i remember one time i think he was sitting down on the table i was like probably like 15 i was young and I guess that's when, you know, your behavior change when you get older, you follow the mood. So I would I would go that. And I remember my mom and my grandmother would talk to me and she would used to say, like, listen, you're getting older. We need to learn how to communicate with you better. It's gonna be different. And you know, and we had open discussion and my family sometimes forget when they're calling me in the house and I can't hear them <laughs> and then they forget sometimes like oh I have to call her and they have to call me they're like oh my bad I forgot We were calling anybody in here yet. So I'm like obviously not <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little thing they forgot but it's natural for them and um, so even with the doorbell for example like the doorbell is very important for me and my family we make sure that the doorbell is really loud so that I can hear and obviously, a bedroom is so far from the door. So they have to figure out how to find a really loud doorbell for me. Yeah. And um, so my family learned a lot by me, to be honest, and especially my mom. She's also in social service um, career as well. So she's very aware with, you know, accommodation and how to talk to someone who is also deaf. So she's already in that screen. And my grandmother was the expert from day one when uh, because my grandma was actually a nurse at the time. So she really knew what she would do with me <laughs> when I became deaf. So there was no issue with my grandma. Um, but, yeah, sometimes my family just forget that I'm hard of hearing sometimes. Sometimes I need to look at them when they're talking. Even when they're cooking and they're, like, cooking and they're kind of talking. to, talk to me, i like, I need to see your face. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So little things. They can't forget. Uh, but, yeah, my family really did learn a lot would come to me but overall they make sure that i was comfortable that's something that i realized with my family they make sure i was comfortable make sure i don't feel different
0: yeah that's very important very important (sighs) oh goodness gracious you have such a beautiful a roller coaster of a story and your um your willingness to be open and talk about it and share it is i would say commendable but i think even that word is too small <laughs> <laughs> i think even that word is it doesn't do it doesn't do it justice um because not only are you a deaf person but you're black
1: yeah and
0: and I feel now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that adds a whole nother layer to the things that you've had to overcome, the obstacles you had to learn how to navigate.
1: Oh yes, hundred percent. I feel like that's in that's a lot in schools.
0: Yeah. yeah. Goodness. Yeah,
1: a mm-hmm. lot. I tell people my stories Like <laughs> I, they talk about my story. It's just crazy, and it's like. You know, and I feel like it is an extra layer. You're deaf, you're a woman, and you have a disability. So that would like three layers for me to really crush that rock and be like, I need to keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, you're crushing it. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing it. How can we find you on social media and how can we support you?
1: um everybody can support me by buying my book please i would love that and honestly my book um it's called every day i am just deaf you can find it on amazon you can simply type in kalina powell and my book will be right there for you definitely support me on that and also if you are interested in you know having me to be a coach definitely reach out to me on my website which is kalinaempowerment.com and if you are interested in watching my content um you can definitely reach out to me on death queen boss on instagram
0: love it love it love it love it love it love it i'll make sure i'm i add all of that which is why i asked for your social media i'll make sure i add all of that in the show notes so we can get to your book so we can get to your website and we can click those links and click away Yes, yeah, right yeah. love it love it love it um i have one final question for you okay Ready. What does resilience mean to you?
1: Oh, um, that's a good question. Uh, resilience, honesty, is being true to yourself. Always be uh-huh. true to yourself. That's all I have to say. I couldn't say more, but I'm going to be honest. You have to be honest within yourself to be true to yourself. To so really know what you want and what your needs are. Because you won't know it if you don't be honest with yourself. And be true to yourself.
0: hmm uh-huh. I always say that, I I guess as human beings, we love to hold up a mirror um, for everyone else, but we hate to turn that mirror around and to look in it and face what we see, what's that reflection that's coming back to us, Uh, because it makes us be honest, we have to be truthful, and we can't lie to the mirror, you know, so... Being honest, being truthful is resilience and action. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Kalina, thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing your story. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience and action will always lead to a greater human experience.